This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight, and I am Frank Morano, someone who sometimes takes a little bit longer to get a joke than necessary. You know, towards the end of the first hour, when we were doing Asking, Ask Frank Anything, the uh, there was a caller that asked me if I had done any drugs, and I said I hadn't. And he said, why are you such a dope? And I missed the pun on dope and drugs. So it was, hey, uh, what drugs have you done? None? Oh, uh, and why are you such a dope? So, uh, I mean, maybe his sense of comedic timing was off, or maybe I just didn't get it, or I'm just so used to people calling me a dope. So uh, my apologies to uh, the, well, I, don't, I didn't say anything mean to him, so I don't think I have anything to apologize for, but my apologies to you for not getting the joke more promptly, and uh, my thanks to Sharon on Twitter for pointing that out to me, and it took me a second, but as soon as she pointed it out to me, I certainly got it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. With, uh, you know, let me take a quick call or two, and then we're going to do denunciations. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Mary Beth is on Long Island. Hi, Mary Beth. Hi. How are you doing, Frank? I um, am the uh, the cat's meow. Thank you. And I wanted to wish your cat and your family the best. Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel so badly. I'm a cat owner myself or a cat family person. I appreciate I that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, two things uh, regarding Mr. Shaw's interview, which was so interesting. And these are just thoughts, random thoughts that came to me. And then I just wanted to make one quick other comment. Um in regards to Dorothy Kilgallen's son, I'm wondering if he's still alive. Um, whether he has done anything to question his mother's death, um, if he's fearful of doing so for his own life, um, the life of any family members he still has. I would just love to know, you know, his opinion on uh, this. Yeah, it's a great question. And apparently, I just looked this up. His son is, uh, her son still is alive, Carrie Colmore. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm actually going to try and invite him on this program and see if we can't talk oh, to him about it. I would love to hear that. Also, the man who rode the bicycle between Robert Kennedy's office and the White House, mm-hmm. I, I found that fascinating. But, you know, this is just one man saying this. I'm wondering what the other proof of that is, because that truly is fascinating. That, it, that if, yeah, it really is. I'm going to um, I'm going to try and revisit that next week with Fred Litwin, who doesn't who has a very non conspiratorial view of the assassination, mm-hmm. and uh, bring that up with him and see what he says. But I think it's fascinating too. I, I found it really interesting. Oh my gosh, the fact that if they knew that their phone calls were being bugged, that gave me chills, Frank. It really did. Uh, same here. But uh, given J. Edgar Hoover's FBI, I, I honestly, I, I wasn't the least bit surprised. Mary Beth, thank you for the call. 
You're welcome. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Eddie is in New York State. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Great show. I, I uh, thank you and blame you <laughs> for keeping me up. Love it. That's what we love to hear. Thank you. It's a compliment. Um, two things. Um, first, uh, an article that I read, and uh, the second one, a patient that I had that had a story about Kennedy. Um, I'm a nuclear medicine technologist, and I would receive something called RT image, radiological technology uh, image. And uh, with it, uh, in an issue, it contained an article by an x-ray tech about the Kennedy assassination. And in it, he told the story of working as an x-ray tech and doing the radiological examination when Kennedy came in at Parkland Hospital. He said he double-filmed his exam. Uh, in and of that, he put two pieces of film in the cassette, and uh, they were both exposed and he retained one for himself personally, and he published them in this uh, issue uh, that he wrote the article uh, about it. And uh, he said um, that the x-rays that the Warren Commission viewed were not his x-rays. He said, um, I don't know whether other x-rays were taken of Kennedy, but he said these were not his x-rays that um, you know he saw historically. I thought it was... It was um, uh, very damning to the commission. That's to, very uh, interesting. And I'm going to try and see if I can't get a hold of uh, Cyril Wecht, who was the one um, forensic pathologist that dissented from the um, the Warren Commission's oh, official findings. I've heard of him. I've yeah, no, he's been more, on this show. Thing, Frank, yeah. I, uh, I, I had a patient uh, at Stony Brook, and I was doing a bone scan on him. And he was a very large Polish man. And uh, the bone scan wasn't good. He had metastasized cancer, and he pretty much, you know, he was—he knew he was done for. And I, I, you, know, you have to spend a period of time with the patients because the bone scan takes a while. A whole body bone scan and different views. And he told me a story of how he um, he worked with people and he did a lot of things in his life that he wasn't proud of. And uh, he started talking about the Kennedy assassination. And I, I think he was some kind of—he was a crusher. He had. He had huge hands. Uh, I remember that about him, and he said that um, you know people were called up from Florida to uh, take care of Kennedy. I remember his words um, about this. I, I found it kind of concerning. Yeah, uh, know, that's thirty years ago. Uh, thank you, Frank. Thank but, you, Eddie. I wish I could say that I was surprised, but I remain very skeptical of the um, the whole thing. Really do. All right. Um, without further delay, let us move forward with the other side of midnight presents denunciations i must denounce sarah hill uh, a nominee for a federal judgeship in oklahoma uh, nominated by president biden and look I- i'm of the belief that whether it's a regular federal judge or the supreme court presidents should be given a lot of latitude in who they appoint uh trump biden obama Bush, Clinton, whomever. I'm not for uh, opposing someone just because you disagree with them. I think as long as someone is qualified, they should be put given a spot on the bench. However, and you could see the video for this for yourself, Sarah Hill is absolutely not qualified. Senator John Kennedy asked her to define basic terms for orders issued by judges. This is a nominee for a federal judgeship, and she struggled 
to explain what the difference was between a stay order and an injunction, which are two orders routinely issued by federal courts. Now, I am not a lawyer, but I know the difference between a stay and an injunction. A stay is issued to stop the legal proceedings of a case in court. An injunction is an order from the court that prohibits a party from doing something. The fact that this woman might be a federal judge and she doesn't know that, that is incredibly damning. I don't know where this woman came from. I don't know what advocate of hers made the right campaign contributions to whom, but this is incredibly embarrassing. And this woman should absolutely not be a federal judge. Uh, Sarah Hill, I do denounce you. I must also denounce The Guardian. You remember in the aftermath of September 11th, a lot of us were devastated at what had happened in New York and in the country. And a lot of us were not only upset and angry, but we wondered, how could anyone do this to us? We're good people. Why would anyone want to murder us, including innocent people like this? And we got the answer from George W. Bush. George W. Bush said, they hate us for our freedom. Now, almost immediately, I think in a lot of our heads, that didn't make sense. Well, wait a minute. Okay. We know that maybe Islamic fundamentalists don't like women voting. They don't like women wearing short skirts. They don't like men looking at pornography. They don't like gay people being able to be gay openly. Okay. But what about all the other countries around the world that have freedom? Why aren't they attacking Japan? Why aren't they attacking Greece? Why aren't they attacking any of these so-called free countries? Why aren't they attacking Italy? Why just us? Well, a couple of months after September 11th, we got an answer to that. Because Osama bin Laden wrote a letter to the American people explaining exactly why he attacked us, essentially. And I'm not saying... So he posted this in Arabic. It was translated by a newspaper called The Observer, a British newspaper. And then for the last 22 years, it has remained on the website of The Guardian. And that was until a few days ago because The Guardian, even though they've kept it on their website for the last 22 years, they've taken it down. If you go to that link, it says that it has been removed. It was published November 24th, 2002. It's been up there for 21 years. But on TikTok, which is where a lot of young people get their news from these days, people started sharing this letter and talking about this letter and saying you could read it on The Guardian's website. And first, TikTok started suppressing it. They wouldn't allow anyone to share this information on TikTok because TikTok is desperate not to be put out of business by the federal government, so they're not going to do anything that foments discontent. 
But then, even though The Guardian had kept it up for 22 years, The Guardian removed it from their website. Let me tell you something. This is absurd. There are so many instances of negative things written by bad people. Um, Mao Zedong's Little Red Book, The Communist Manifesto, an, um, uh, a lot of other, Mein Kampf. And for them to say that this is not a legitimate enough historical context, that it has to be viewed with proper context. So it said, they actually use the explanation of, it is it, it we're not we don't want to keep this up there without the context of the article what what context what article the letter from bin laden is the context that's the primary source this is a historical document that is not only an essential element of any serious understanding of what occurred in the september 11th terrorist attacks but i think it's an important historical document to understand Everything that occurred after September 11th, the Patriot Act, the warrantless wiretapping, the uh, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, and to try to censor this is absurd. So I thought about um, reading this letter on the radio to make a point about the fact that it has value to people in seeing it and hearing it. And it's a little long. And I said, no, I don't want to get any of the stations that carry our show in trouble. They're nice enough to carry my show. And then I said, you know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to do read a. I'm going to read this letter on Facebook. And if people want to follow me on Facebook at facebook.com/slash moranofan, I'm going to read it online in video form. And then I realized Facebook is probably going to censor this and take it down. And honestly, I read the letter. It is so. Deeply, first of all, there are aspects of it that are completely untrue. It is also deeply anti-Semitic. It is completely anti-American. It's very anti-white. And it's very anti-Russian. So, honestly, I'm not really comfortable reading a letter, even if it's uh, clear that it's a quote from someone else, aloud that is all of those things. Uh, But I did get a hold of this letter. It, you can still find it. It's tough, but you can still find it. And I have uh, posted it on a website um, that I've set up for transcripts of this radio show at moranovision.com. I'm not absor- absorbing its content or endorsing its content, but I think it is an important historical document that I think merits reading. If you want a full understanding of why bin Laden and al-Qaeda attacked us, because it wasn't, as George W. Bush said, they hate us for our freedoms. If you want to read it, you can go to moranovision.com. But I I must say, I'm disgusted at The Guardian for doing this. Uh, This is absolutely ridiculous. Because it went viral on TikTok, they're taking it down, even though it's been up there for two decades? Ridiculous. The Guardian... I do denounce you. I must also denounce Luis Mendoza. Luis Mendoza is a youth church leader in metropolitan Detroit who had, and apparently the evidence for this is overwhelming, 
he is entitled to the presumption of innocence, but honestly, based on my reading of the case, he is guilty. Luis Mendoza, this church leader, had a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old. And this is a man who volunteered his time as a youth leader at Stony Church because he had access to so many minors. And look, anybody that would rape a child is, to me, lower than low and is just an abominable person. But to think that you would use God and religion and spiritualism and young people that are looking for mentorship as essentially an opportunity to prey upon young people. It's just disgusting. This man is uh, lower than low. And uh, Luis Mendoza, I do denounce you. I must also denounce, speaking of Detroit, the, the bus drivers who opted to walk out rather than drive metropolitan Detroit area Jews to the March for Israel in Washington, D.C. Now, there were quite a few people that showed up to this march in D.C. Uh, they say it might be about 200,000 people. Honestly, once you get over 50,000, it's tough to know, but it's probably around 200,000 people. It's the largest pro-Israel march in the history of the United States, and there were three chartered planes of Jewish people and their supporters, not just Jews, I'm sure there were a lot of Gentiles among them, Going from metropolitan Detroit, where we're heard on AM 910, the superstation, WFDF. And they were going to go from Detroit to Washington, D.C. But hundreds of Detroiters were stuck on two of the planes when bus drivers refused to take them from the airport to the protest. These people walked out intentionally rather than take people that wanted to go to a protest. This is absurd. Now, I would say these people all deserve to lose their job, but unfortunately there's such a driver shortage that it looks like they may not lose their job. In my view, this is a complete abdication of their responsibility. You know, one of the points Dershowitz makes in in the documentary about him that I just watched, and I think it's so apt, And I think it applies to lawyers, it applies to media people, it applies to people that defend the Constitution, it applies to everybody, is if someone that's a bad guy, let's say a mafia chieftain, is in need of emergency surgery, no one questions the surgeon that's saving that person's life. No one, even though the logical consequence of that person's life being saved might be that he hurts or kills more people. They just do their job. It's not up to the surgeon to make value judgments on whether or not that person is living or dying. And I know it's an odd comparison, but I think the same thing is true of bus drivers. Your job is to drive the bus. Your job is not to determine whether I should be going to a legal event. I mean, if you're taking me to have sex with some 15-year-olds, okay, don't drive me. This is absurd. And to all those drivers that walked out, I do denounce you. I must also denounce David DePap, the uh, right-wing conspiracy theorist who attacked Paul Pelosi. 
He's been convicted of attempted kidnapping and assault. And this uh, was a rather dramatic situation a year ago. And DePap took the stand in his defense and he said he had planned to interrogate Nancy Pelosi and post footage of her online. The jury deliberated for eight hours before finding DePap guilty of attempted kidnapping of a federal official and assault on the immediate family member of a federal official. DePap is facing up to 50 years in prison. He did not react as the verdict was read in court. His lawyers argued that he was caught up in conspiracy theories that influenced him to commit the crimes. He admitted in his own testimony that he broke into the Pelosi's house with a plan to hold the former speaker hostage and that he bludgeoned Paul Pelosi with a hammer after police officers showed up at the home. I mean, it's so sad. Uh, Clearly, this man is mentally ill. He was clearly so poisoned by this black hole that he went down on the Internet. But this man is bad news. David DePap, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Melissa Uger, a 20-year-old. Boy, I'm sure her parents are proud of her. A knife-wielding woman who is not only accused of ripping down posters of Israeli hostages and pepper-spraying a Jewish safety volunteer in Brooklyn last week, but before attacking her victim, do you know what she said? I'll kill you, Jews. Now, I'm all for having debates about the proper way to handle foreign affairs. But when you're going to not only attack someone, but say, I'll kill you, Jews. I mean, there is something really sick and demented about you. Melissa Uger, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Sean Patrick Cirillo, a Georgia man who repeatedly called Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and threatened to shoot her in the effing head. Sean Patrick Cirillo is charged with federal counts of using communication devices to make a threat after he called her office pretending to be a major donor, then claimed to really be a sniper. In audio that is publicly available, you can listen to it for yourself. He said, I'm going to murder her. This is him calling her office and saying this. I'm going to murder her. I'm going to shoot her in the effing head and kill her, okay? And then he continued, I'm going to kill her next week. I'm going to murder her. You don't think you're going to get a paycheck. You're going to die. Your family is going to die. He then told staff members at Congresswoman Green's office, I'll kill you too if you want. I don't know what is going on in this country. And it's one of the reasons I get so upset when members of Congress are assaulting one another and threatening congressional witnesses to fistfights. Because the level of toxicity that is in this country in some quarters is staggering. So Sean Patrick Cirillo, I do denounce you. I must also denounce, in keeping with our theme, all of the people that are mailing fentanyl 
to election workers. Four county elections offices in Washington state were evacuated after they received envelopes containing suspicious powders, including two that field tested positive for fentanyl. Um, Apparently, this goes hand in hand with a dozen letters that were sent to election offices in California, Georgia, Nevada, Oregon, and in Washington state. I don't know if this is a concerted effort or if this is just a bunch of people trying to poison the folks that count votes, but this is reprehensible. You know, uh, my mother works uh, for the Board of Elections. I don't know that she opens envelopes or things of that nature, but I would hate it if because someone's mad at the electoral process or some result of some election that they were to mail her fentanyl. I mean, it goes to... The, the election workers are becoming frontline workers. It's becoming people that are just trying to do their job, and their penalty for trying to do their job is people are mailing them fentanyl. So wh- whoever does this is a disgusting human being, and I do denounce you. I must denounce Newark Airport. Newark Airport is the worst large airport in the United States, according to the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal revealed their annual list of the best and worst busy airports in the United States. I must say I was surprised by this. I thought it was going to be, as the worst big airport, either JFK or LaGuardia. LaGuardia has moved up. LaGuardia is number 15. JFK, which is not a surprise to me, is number 19. But sure enough, they found that Newark Liberty International Airport is the worst out of the 20 large airports in this country. And they base it on a number of metrics, reliability factors like uh, average arrival and departure delays, traveler satisfaction, a bunch of others. If you're curious about what airport was the best it was phoenix followed by minneapolis and then number three lax very interesting i don't know why they the new york area airports can't get their act together but let me tell you they can't because i have had very poor experiences and finally i want to denounce salem hospital salem in massachusetts that's right the only thing you know, it's uh, witches apparently are not the only thing that's scary in Massachusetts. Nearly 450 patients at Salem Hospital may have been exposed to, are you ready for this? Hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and HIV due to bad practices when administering IV medications. Hello? Is it too much to ask? That when you go into a hospital, you have a reasonable expectation of not being exposed to hepatitis B, hepatitis C, or HIV? I don't think so. Yet, apparently, it's too much for the folks at Salem Hospital. Do me a favor. If I am ever shot, God forbid, in Salem, Massachusetts, do not take me to Salem Hospital. Keep driving. I don't care if it's another 10, 15 minutes. Get me somewhere else, because this does not instill confidence in future patients. Salem Hospital, I do denounce you.
If you want to comment on anyone I have denounced, you are certainly welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. I feel so bad, I got a worried mind. I'm so lonesome all the time. Since I left my baby behind on Blue Bayou. Saving nickels, saving dimes Working till the sun don't shine Looking forward to happier times On Blue Bayou Linda Ronstadt uh, If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing You can join our Facebook group uh, just go on Facebook and search Morano, M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio, Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio, Fans and Haters. Um, no more guests for the rest of the show, so it's all you and me. Uh, and if you want to comment on anything else that we have, anything we've chatted about, you're certainly welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. I'm hoping you have something fun planned for the weekend. Big weekend in the Morano household in that... Tomorrow, I am, because uh, next weekend is Carmine's second birthday, so my wife wants him to l- look decent. So tomorrow, I am taking um, Carmine for his second ever haircut. I'm going to take him to my uh, my barber. And, you know, honestly, he seems pretty excited about it. it. It's funny how he associates certain words with things. And, you know, he really is such a good boy. The vast majority of the time, every once in a while, he has a temper tantrum. But uh, I'll, whenever I say "good boy," or even sometimes if I don't say "good boy," he'll say "good boy" and "handsome." And then I'd say maybe about a third of the time after he says "handsome," he'll say um, "haircut." And then if I comment, I'll say, "Yeah, we're going to take you for a haircut soon." And then he'll some then he'll say "lollipop." Because I think when we went to the barber shop, they gave him a lollipop. So I guess maybe after he got that haircut, a lot of people told him he was handsome. So whenever he hears the word handsome, he associates it with haircut and he associates haircut with lollipop. So hopefully that will mean tomorrow's haircut will be without incident. And it is going to be interesting, though, because I did take a look at my bank account yesterday. It was in the negative. So I have to figure out a way to scrape $20 together to get him a haircut. But I'll move move some funds around from offshore accounts and so forth. And then uh, I, uh, th- they're knocking down trees on my block like crazy. So I n- I'm always up for a good, you know, wood chopping session. So I went and explored some of the, one of the trees that was chopped down a day or two ago. And I said to my neighbor, I said, hey, who, who owns this property? 
And they said it's it's essentially abandoned. They're just going to have somebody come and pick up that wood. It's owned by two guys. They don't know what they're going to do. Uh, they don't come here. There's no one that lives there. And so you, I said, do you think I could take a log or two? And he said, absolutely. So he helped me. We moved a couple of logs. These are quite heavy logs. But I'm going to take the old wood splitter and a sledgehammer. It's supposed to be nice weather both today and tomorrow. And I will try and get some wood splitting done. So that's uh, those are the, the the big items on my agenda. A haircut for young Carmine and uh, some wood splitting. Carmine, by the way, is for some reason he has become inexplicably afraid of the bathtub. And um, my wife and I, we went to a um, we went to a uh, wake last night. And uh, so my father and stepmother watched him and uh, they gave him a bath and he was fine. But the night before he got so afraid, he's afraid of dirt. He calls it dust. I don't know how this happened. I think because the night before there was some lint or something from his sweater and it got in the bathtub and he was so disturbed by it, he didn't even want to take a bath. So hopefully that was just a one or two day thing. But uh, I'm really hoping that doesn't continue because the last thing we need is more bath time drama. All right. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Uh, let me begin with the original Rick in original Jersey. Hello. Yes. Good morning, Frank. Hi. Uh, by the by the way, your new call coordinator is very good, Nick. Um, he he called me OG Rick, which made me feel like hip. You know. I, I well, that goes to show you how out of touch Nick is. <laughs> oh, all right. I deserve that. You know, I'll give you that one. All right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm calling about. Get the pass. Have you versed Nick on the FOMO pass? Remember we instituted that thing. Um, I have not yet, but uh, so I'll re- re- I'll reiterate it to Nick. I mean, Matt Blaze is up on this, and he you know he's got a pretty good handle on things in the control room that don't involve um, Brian Kilmeade's phone number. But I'll reiterate it to not only um, not only Nick, but to everybody listening. So essentially, w- the way things go on a daily basis is we allow everybody to call in once per day. But we do allow people to have a waiver once a week if they are compelled to call in a second time that day. So that is something we don't want to overuse. But, yeah, you can do that once a week. Yeah. At, uh, discretion. Uh, at, at discretion. At our discretion. Yeah. I don't want people oh, going yeah. crazy. Oh, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, well, that, yeah, uh, Kenneth, he, he, he was real heavy-handed. He never let me go through. Uh, he was like, what do you have this for? Well, I can see why you're such a uh, a Nick partisan. I had no idea you had so many issues with Kenneth. Well, I like being called OG, you know? <laughs> okay, well, there you go. You got a fan here. Uh, you got a fan here, Nick. Congratulations. Um, oh, thank you, Frank. W- was there anything else that you wanted to add, or was that it? Well, uh, in Newark Airport, in the 1970s, I was really uh, intoxicated with a girl. And we were able, we were having uh, wheelchair races down the aisles of Newark. No one stopped us. We actually wandered onto the, onto the uh, runway and got on a plane. And we were standing there, and the guy was, like, vacuuming. And he goes, what are you doing here? He said, well, we don't know. Because we were so intoxicated, I didn't even know how I got there. And he actually showed us the cockpit and all that stuff. And then we wandered back onto the runway. He was like, this is not good. This is way before 9-11, but still. That's the way Newark is run. It's always been the worst that I've ever been in. I've traveled all around the country. So it's the worst. It is bad. It is bad. Thank you, Rick. 
I'm still not convinced that it's worse than JFK. I mean, you know what it is? You know what I'm so jaded by with JFK? I've, I like to, I'm not a big flyer. I don't like, it's, I'm not afraid of flying. I just don't like the whole rigmarole. But what I do like to do is be there for people when they need something. Um, that doesn't involve me lending them money because I don't have the money to lend. But I am always eager to give someone a ride to the airport or pick them up from the airport. Ask anybody that knows me. I have driven friend after friend, family member after family member to the airport, which everybody hates to do. I don't mind it. Um, And I think I have it down to a science. At JFK, they don't let you stop for a second if you're picking someone up. They, They don't, I mean, not a second. They expect you to park, go find your person, wheel them over to your parking spot, paying, of course, and then leave. I mean, at Newark, at least they allow you a a little dose of humanity. Now, if you're standing there or or for five minutes and your person hasn't come out, yeah, then maybe someone comes over and says, hurry along. But there's a little bit of common sense. Okay, person just landed. They're coming out now. Hey, there he is. They're coming out now. All right, okay, just move along. Yeah, at JFK, they're crazy with that stuff. So, Maybe JFK is a slightly better airport in terms of delays and stuff. As far as the pickup process goes, JFK is, in my view, much worse. 800-848-9222. Charlie is in Hell's Kitchen. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Frank. I called to agree with you with one of your denunciations about the bus drivers. I absolutely can't stand those people, and I'm not recommending that anything but did anybody do anything illegal to them? But those people really need to be punished for what they did. And, and there are legal ways. I mean, Rabbi Meyer Kahani formed the Jewish Defense League, not the ADL, but the JDL. And I, I think some rich donors, some rich who need to hire private investigators. And these people legally, perfectly legal, of course, I'm not advocating violence against anyone. But uh, these people should have their lives to really be made miserable. And can I make a brief point about Newark International Airport before you move on to the sure, next Sure, go floor? ahead, sure. Well, most people don't rise about Newark International Airport, especially if you're taking off or leaving there, especially if you're coming in. People are thinking about getting off the plane. But the next time you're at Newark International Airport or somebody, one of the callers, or one of the listeners listening to Newark International Airport, if you're flying in, if you're coming in, you might want to take a look out the window, and what most people don't realize is you can then take a look at one of my former workplaces, and that would be Northern State Prison. Oh. Yes, Northern State Prison is right on the cusp of uh, Newark International Airport. In fact, the yard, the prison yard, where the inmates go out to do recreation, have recreation, is uh, you can see the, the airplane is taking off. But you didn't know that. I did not. Charlie, thank you for that. By the way, do you know what they say? I mean, they claim this. I don't know if this is true. Do you know what they say has the shortest wait times of any airport in the nation? This is not the Wall Street Journal saying this. This is, uh, I think, self-proclaimed. They say Atlantic City International Airport has the shortest wait times of any airport in the nation. Now, on the one hand, I'm not that surprised by it because there are so few flights out of 
Atlantic City International Airport. But on the other hand, you know, it is a nice feather in their cap. All right, 800-848-9222. Gene is in Manhattan. Hi, Gene. Hi, Frank. Uh, your conversation with Martin Shaw um, this evening, uh, like we can all remember where we were on 9-11, he was crying in Purdue University. I had just arrived in Ireland in September of 1963, and it was night in St. Stephen's Green, Dublin, when my husband and I were looking in a TV store, and we saw former President Dwight Eisenhower looking very concerned, and we weren't quite sure what he was saying, but he was so upset. And then the next day in all the papers, in the Irish papers, Irish Times and all, we saw what had happened. And we actually did tend to believe that Oswald was the one that did it because we saw photographs in the papers. And uh, JFK had just visited, visited Ireland that summer, and everyone there was so upset. And all they could think of was that he had been assassinated by this one person. And yeah. he was a communist. They thought Oswald was a communist. They, they kept uh, considering that he had this Russian contact. He had a Russian wife. Right. Well, it does look like he was a communist. I know. But, I mean, they somehow thought it was communism that uh, he was after in killing JFK. Got it. Well, you know what, uh, Gene? It's one of those things where uh, I don't know if we'll ever know the truth, but I appreciate you sharing your uh, your reminiscence on that front. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Uh, Rocco is in Saratoga. Hello, Rocco. Good evening, Frank. How are you do this evening? Uh, I am uh, really uh, just peachy. Thank you. Yeah, as always. As you say, always. Mm-hmm. By the way, Nick is the best screener you've ever had. He beats Kenneth hand down. You know, hand ha- down. hang on one second, Rocco. Matt, am I missing something? What is What is Nick doing that is so great? Screening, bro. He's just letting everybody on where Kenneth was a little I more see. rigid. Okay. okay. So, especially with Rock. Right. Okay. So, here is what I'm seeing. I'm just hearing that Nick is much less arduous and a little more lazy. <laughs> right. Well, I don't Kenneth know about was. lazy, but yeah. he's just letting everybody okay. go through. Right. Yeah. See, he's not screening anybody, he's just putting everybody on, which, if you're one of these guys that was heavily screened by Kenneth, you would see Kenneth as you would see uh, Nick rather as sort of a savior. Okay, I I understand now. Now I understand everything. As uh, as Enzo the um, the baker or uh, as the baker, not Enzo, but Enzo's father in law said to Vito Corleone, "You understand everything." All right, Rocco, go ahead. Make your uh, point yeah. unabridged. Go ahead. Yeah, N- Nick. Nick is great. That's all I'm going to say. Kenneth, not so much. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but anyway. I'll pay for Carmine's haircut, Frank. You have to have 20 freaking bucks. If not, I have more than enough $20 bills that I'm going to mail you 20. What happened to the free haircuts? You ran out of free haircuts? Well, no, you only get one. You only get one. They hook you. Rocco, I appreciate that. That's very generous of you, but but we're going to be okay. Thank you. We're going to be fine. I'll, I'll move some money from some offshore accounts. And so forth. Um, all right. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment, we'll continue straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. Six minutes until the top of the hour. 800-848-9222. You know, I am... Uh, somebody uh, messaged me on Facebook, and you can message me on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Fan. It was Joe in Ronkonkoma who said, Did I see the story about the boardwalk fire in Atlantic City? Which I did. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday, I believe. But uh, it's still, it's terrible. And I was just thinking, looking at Newark International Airport, which is pretty close to my house... And looking at Atlantic City International Airport, which I've never been to, I was thinking, what if I flew from Newark to Atlantic City? My next day that I'm supposed to be in Atlantic City is December 15th. So I said, let me just check. Let me see if I could find a flight from Newark to Atlantic City. I'm thinking it must be a 40-minute flight at most. So there are two flights available that day. One is for $472 round trip. The other is for $684. The first flight, the $472 flight, it is a, (laughs) it departs at 744 from Newark and it arrives at 3 p.m. in the afternoon in Atlantic City because there are two stops. There's one stop in Charlotte. And one stop in Philadelphia. So all told, it's seven hours and 16 minutes. Now, I would do this, but for two reasons. One, I'm usually in a kind of a hurry to get down there. So I don't want to spend a whole day just flying down there and spending $472 just for having a story to tell. If there were very, really good airport lounges that I could access into all these airports, I might reconsider that and two there's no way my my wife is going to be with me on the 15th there's no way she would go for that but i would like to do that one day and then i was looking at at flights from uh newark to atlantic city on december 30th new year's eve Eve. not cost effective and not time effective she could drive down there and pick you up that's right that's right (laughs) drive to philly and pick me up and probably come back before I uh, get there. Hey, um, you know, I don't know if you remember this story that we that we said about the uh, well, the, the segment that we did recently on the Freemasons. 
Honestly, I still don't understand why the Freemasons are so controversial. A lot of Masons called in and they all said that they were, you know, not devil worshipers or whatever. This week, the Vatican has confirmed a ban on Catholics becoming Freemasons. This is a centuries-old society, the Freemasons, that the Catholic Church has long viewed with hostility and has the Freemasons have an estimated global membership of up to 6 million people. So the Vatican's doctrinal office put out this statement. Active membership in Freemasonry by a member of the faithful is prohibited because of the irreconcilability between Catholic doctrine and Freemasonry. Isn't that interesting? You know what also is interesting to me about this is George Washington was apparently a Mason, but um, we had a caller one time, and apparently there is some evidence of this, that indicated that George Washington converted to Catholicism right before his death. So I don't. It doesn't look like the Pope was would approve of George Washington being a Mason. All right, those of you that are holding, I'll get to you after the top of the hour. A lot of other interesting things to get to as well, including uh, a really fascinating story out of Massachusetts that you're not going to want to miss. And uh, Noam Laden is here with the news. And uh, if you want to be a part of our Facebook group, you can just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. We're looking for more people who listen to the show to contribute and to post things and also more nice people. You know, um, there's a lot of great people in this Facebook group, but there's only about 20 people in all that post things. So I'd love to get more people in the habit of posting their thoughts, their observations, their criticisms, their questions about what we do on the show to kind of get a constant dialogue going. I know some people um, might be irritating to others, but just do the best you can. Your influence counts. Use it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.